0: Show with Andy Pack.
1: Welcome to the show that aims to help you lead to further God's purposes. Now, imagine for a moment that you have an exciting opportunity to serve in your local church. It's something that's been on your heart to do. You have a strong sense that it will be a fruitful area of service. So you receive an email inviting you to join with it. My guess is that how you actually respond will depend to a large extent on whether you feel equipped to do it. You may, of course, regard yourself as a minister who's been trained for such opportunities. Or you may be thinking, this sounds great, but I wouldn't know where to start. Well, my guess this week is concerned that too many in the UK church wouldn't know where to start, and that the fault lies in the training approaches offered to Christians. He has written a book that suggests that traditional training in churches, especially in the Church of England, fails to account for the task of the church today. The book is entitled Reimagining Ministerial Formation, and it is by David Haywood, who's recently retired as Deputy Director for Mission. Of the Diocese of Oxford with responsibility for ministerial formation. David was an Anglican vicar for 20 years, from 1986 until 2006, and director of pastoral studies at Ripon College from 2006 to 2017. The book follows on from his thinking on reimagining ministry in 2011 and kingdom learning in 2017 a delight to have you on the show David thank you for joining us Uh, so my introduction mentioned some of your uh, service in the church and theology but uh, a few words perhaps about your upbringing and your life before ordination
0: yeah thank you it's great to be with you um yeah a really formative time for me was the end the, the final year when I was at university um Uh, having been a christian for almost all my life and then not knowing what to to do next and i went to the college chaplain for advice and he said to me i think you should go and teach and it came over to me as if god had said it oh well (laughs) (laughs) that kind of conviction so i went and trained how to be a teacher um i was never very good i i loved preparing the lessons but i couldn't keep the kids in order (laughs) but uh learning how to teach changed my life because it taught me how people learn and so what effective teaching looks like and it led me to ask why doesn't the church learn from this um and so that's been i guess the the dominant passion of my life so far and that's that's how the book has come to be
1: so so where did you grow up david and where did you go to college
0: uh, so i grew up in in south buckinghamshire just sleepy commuter village territory, uh, went to Cambridge University, Selwyn College, and then went on to Liverpool to train as a teacher.
1: Oh, fabulous. And, uh, and the kind of areas that you served as a, as a, a vicar?
0: Yeah, so um, I started off with a curacy in Cheltenham in Gloucestershire, and then moved to South London commuter territory, um, where I was there for eight years, um, and then Stoke-on-Trent for another eight years. Um, first of all, as a vicar, and then doing some teaching and ministry development work.
1: Yeah, so you almost covered most of the uh, most of England, certainly, not not uh, probably further the, south, but still a decent decent chunk of the yeah uh, area. the
0: southern half of England. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> I did my training at uh, at Cranmer Hall in Durham, so I know a bit about the north as well.
1: Sure, sure, fabulous. Well, yeah, I I want to get down to this. This is fa- I think fabulous book. So th- congratulations on the book. Thank you. Um, and you're saying in the book that our typical approach, uh, certainly in the Church of England, is kind of not fit for purpose, really. So, how come? Tell, tell us, uh, yep. give us some of the broad
0: brush strokes of why you think so. Well, there are lots of reasons. Um, I'll give you four for starters. <laughs> so, the first is that that we only train about two percent of Christians for ministry. We we pour our time and energy and resources into training the clergy. Um, far fewer resources into training people for licensed lay ministry, and almost nothing for anybody else. Um, Whereas mission and ministry are the task of the whole church, and it's really the whole church that needs to be formed for for ministry and mission, and not just um, a tiny proportion. Um, And uh, a, a recent report that came out from the Church of England called Setting God's People Free says quite clearly, we we will never equip the church for mission um, until we start to focus on encouraging lay people's discipleship. Um, Second reason is that all the training that the clergy receive, or nearly all of it, is squeezed into two or three years, um, which means that you can't possibly fit all the necessary training into, into that time. So what I'm arguing is that Training ought to be a lifelong process. It ought to start um, basically when people are confirmed or baptised, and and then carry carry on from there. Um, and it, it ought to be what's called in the jargon just-in-time training. Um, that's training that for the ministry that God is giving people at that time, um, as part of their church or in an organisation like street pastors or as something else they take on and that people will gradually grow in their understanding of God and their confidence and you know when they if they come to ordination that will then be a next logical step as it were. Um, I think the third thing I'd say is that the training that clergy do receive focuses on the wrong things. It's <laughs> um, it. it Prepares them to become religious professionals, um, capable of running services, rather than leaders who build mission communities and enable the gifts of the whole congregation for mission. Um, and the effect, quite often, is is that um, people become socialized into a clerical caste. Um, you know, their 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 closest reference group is other clergy, and so there's a there's a barrier of between clergy and and lay people um, so that basically clergy are just inadequately prepared for the the work that they do it needs to include understanding how people tick how organizations work how to listen to communities um, a lot of these things are gradually coming into the 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 uh, curriculum but uh, it's a very slow process mm. and then the fourth reason that i Give you is that the teaching and learning style typically is, is academic. It's a university model. Um, so what people are taught is abstract theory and on the assumption that practising is nothing but application of that, that theory. And that just isn't how people learn. That, and So they're not being equipped for ministry by being taught in that way. And increasingly in the secular world, you know, graduate recruiters now um, tend to ignore the outcome of people's degrees and they put candidates through a variety of exercise that test for a much wider range of qualities than are covered in a typical degree and they look for things like lateral thinking and judgment and empathy creativity adaptability and so on um, so a training that concentrates on a narrow range of mainly intellectual qualities is not really going to do the job. But what it's also doing is socializing people into the culture of the white middle class uh, and thereby excluding a lot of people who don't come from there, working class people, ethnic minorities, and so on.
1: Well, thank you, David. That's, that's terif- terrifically uh, succinctly put. So um, having read read the book, it's, you know, you've, you've beautifully summarized it. Um, I'm wondering if if, if the, the clerical collar and some of the garb is also perpetuates the, the distance between clergy and laity as well.
0: Or uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't ask that. <laughs> oh, I could talk so much about that. It's, a, it's a hierarchical organisation, isn't it? It, yeah, yeah. It, it, does, it does professions where it, it, processions rather, where it dresses people up in fancy clothes and where yeah. the least important people come in at the at the beginning and the most important people at the end. <laughs> um, I, I just I think that's just something that we have to get away from sure so I'm not I'm not opposed to clerical robes myself but I mm. think the way they function as part of the whole system <laughs> sure sure not
1: really no sure so I mean it would be great to think that this show could be passed around the bishops in the Church of England <laughs> and <laughs> reform the approach but for the purpose of this of this show it'd be valuable to perhaps look at some of the valuable lessons we can derive for church leadership in general which can have a wider application whether you know, we're Anglican or not. Yeah. Perhaps you could mm-hmm. talk first about the role of the church and its mission in society in, in post-Christian Britain.
0: So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, missional concern is very much at the, the heart of your yeah. book, isn't it? It is. And, and what's been really encouraging to me is to see the churches recover uh, a sense of mission over the last 20 or 30 years and I think the most important thing that we're discovering is that mission originates in the heart of God. Um, that there is uh, within the, the Trinity that love between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, which then overflows to the world in, that, in, in God's longing to bring everybody into a relationship with, with God through Jesus Christ. Um, and so when you look at the Gospels, mission is at the heart of heart of them Jesus called his disciples to join him in his mission their training took place in that context um, and then he sends them out to to spread the gospel and uh, we're learning that mission is not just an optional extra it's the heart of what the church is for and it should be shaping the life of every local church Um, our problem is we've got used to understanding churches as worshipping communities. Um, and both Christians and the wider society see what it means to be a Christian as being somebody who goes to church. Um, and I I think we need to move from that to see that what it really means to be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus. And that means to be called to be part of God's love for the world and part of God's mission to the world. Um, and in particular i'd also say to contribute to the coming of god's kingdom god's god's rule in some specific way according to the gifts that he's given us and and the way he's put us together
1: yeah and and that that kind of brings us to the what you talk about you know you talk about collaborative local ministry i love that phrase and it's the role of the ordained to animate the gifts of those in the church which of course can yeah. be exercised within the local church and also where God has placed them in the world to be a witness and, and light, wherever that may
0: be. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So the, you know, the function of any leader is to help a commun- the community to fulfil its purpose. Um, and the church's purpose is to join in with the mission of God. Um, so I think the first thing that follows from that is that we need to learn, as, as Christians, how to love one another. Because it, it, it doesn't come naturally. It's a hard road, and it you know it's a lot of learning. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so ministry springs from relationship. It's all about relationship. It's about Jesus drawing us into that relationship of love with God and with one another. Um, and as Paul says, you know we are members of one another. Um, and again, I think our problem as a church is that we still think about ministry in terms of institutional roles, um, whereas Really, we need to see church leaders as emerging from the life of the community, and there to to help the church to become what God calls it to be. You know that that loving community um, with a message for for the world, the world at large. Um, my Bishop Stephen Croft talks about four different elements of that. He he says that um, clergy are called to first of all watch over ourselves. You know we have to be. Um, rooted in God and, and, and making sure that we are building that relationship with God and centred in God. Um, then there's enabling and equipping um, the ministry of each, each person individually, um, sometimes acting as a mentor, but just simply generally trying to encourage people to respond to God's call. And then there's everything that goes into building a community as a loving community. Um, and uh, helping it to discover its purpose and and uh, how to fulfil it. Um, and then the fourth thing that uh, Bishop Stephen talks about is the, the role of clergy of connecting the church to the local community, um, being out there, being visible, uh, being the representative and connecting the local church to other churches as well.
1: Sure. Um, David, the aim of whole life discipleship, of course, has been explored before within the church of england and and other bodies other charities have promoted the idea uh, but many church leaders might argue that any part of life discipleship might be a, might be a start and so yeah i mean i'm sure you would acknowledge that that you're you're asking quotes a lot yes. of many people who haven't been given that vision of whole life discipleship do see oh i go i go to church and i say my prayers and and, and maybe haven't been emboldened to even even dream about having quotes any kind of ministry um yes so um what what would you say to maybe church leaders thinking this is all great I, I'm, I'm with you david but you haven't been yeah. to
0: my church <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah um it's part of what i did with the oxford diocese was to do a consultation with our area deans um the local clergy leaders um, on how we could get locally based training going and at every consultation i did um there was always somebody who said what you're looking for here is a complete change in, in culture um, and that it was a change they they wanted to see happen but they realized just what an enormous change of culture that is and you, you're quite right we're not we're not geared to discipleship um but if i can share with you we have a program in this diocese which my former colleague um, Tina Molyneux originated, uh, which is called Personal Discipleship Plans. Um, And what that is, is basically an extended conversation between somebody who's been trained as an encourager and somebody who wants to explore the idea of having a discipleship plan. And they talk through the person's experience, their passions, their goals, their gifts, um, their walk of discipleship. Um, and the aim of the conversation is to listen to God for his call to that person in, in the present. You know, what's the next step on the road of discipleship? Um, so the encouragers, as I said, are they're all specially trained. Um, they include clergy and lay people. Um, and uh, we're seeing we're seeing really good fruit from that. Um yeah. There's two people in my own church who had their first meeting just last week, and it was the first meeting for the encourager, uh, as well as for the the person exploring the discipleship plan. And they it, both were in church on Sunday, and they were so excited, you know. And and people say things like, oh, "I've never talked about any, this before with anybody," you know. It just just that time that is set aside to to hear people's story and. um to take forward God's presence in their life it's 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 really being fruitful um, and just as an example um, one of the people in our church is is working on putting sabbath into her life getting balance of life and making time for God in sabbath um, in my own personal discipleship plan I've been challenged to to start work with Christians against poverty um, and uh, I, I was speaking recently to somebody who had a gift of writing and all the way through her life she thought oh it's selfish to indulge this i shouldn't do it too much but actually realized that it was god's gift and that she could be using it for him and uh, she published her first novel a year ago oh wonderful yeah (laughs) Um, uh and that's that's a a bit of a pattern really most of the calls are to people that people are discerning are actually outside of the church um and we do say to people this is not about putting you on a rotor oh. this is about discovering where god is calling you to serve him so I'd, I'd i'd commend something like that and and i think it's the mentoring it's the one-to-one encouragement which is really so valuable there oh. um and the other thing, as I've told you, I was doing these consultations and we were looking at how we could establish training in local areas so that it's available to people. Now, a big, well-resourced church would probably be able to do it within their church, but so many Anglican churches are quite small. They need to be able to get together and encourage one another. And I just would love to see it as accepted as the norm that training for ministry actually begins at confirmation or baptism. And, and people were encouraged to begin to, um, to, to look at the basics, which is about understanding yourself, first of all, uh, what makes you tick, uh, understanding God's call, uh, going perhaps a bit deeper than that, understanding your vulnerabilities as well, um, understanding other people, learning, learning the skills of really good listening, um, knowing how to work in a team and what qualities you bring to a team. Um, And how to discern God's wisdom for the situation. You know, in technical terms, it's called theological reflection, but most people don't really relate to that. So just just discerning what God is saying uh, in a situation. Um, A lot of people do that simply through their prayers. Um, But it's uh, when we can do it together, it can be really fruitful. Learning about the Bible, getting an overview of the Bible's grand narrative. And, and finding a rhythm of prayer that really resources you. So the, those real basic things as a foundation for ministry, and then getting into understanding mission, um, and and the coming of God's kingdom, and so on.
1: David, it's a, it's a wonderful vision. So thank you for for sharing that and encourage people to go back and listen to this again. Make some notes if you've been um, if you've been excited by it. Um, so as we come to a close, uh, David, in in reading the book, I was interested to see there have been many discussions about. Elements of your book within the higher echelons of the C of E for many years, um, and some would say the theological education in the Anglican Church is not in a not in a strong place in terms of financially and how it's all functioning. So, I mean, might that be a ch- trigger for change? How optimistic are you that you know in the next decade or so change might come?
0: Yes, I am optimistic That's um, good because hear. I think things are already changing, and the the model that I'm recommending is already emerging different places um, and it's a work of the holy spirit and the spirit has been leading the church into mission gradually bit by bit over the last 20 or 30 years and and this is part of what mission demands a whole new approach to training for ministry and mission um, it so happens that the that the um, outline that i'm giving would be an awful lot cheaper for the church <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's a possibility that it might be taken on for that reason but i hope it won't be just for that reason but because you know the people that you've mentioned in the hierarchy actually see that this is the way that god is calling us um it's held back by the old ways of thinking and you still have bishops who think that three years in a residential college is some kind of gold standard um but as i said to you i'm optimistic um i spent um, 11 years training training ordinands and one of the things that that really showed me is that God hasn't given up on the Church of England because He's calling such amazing, high-quality people to be to be into in ordained ministry. Um, so we will get there. Um, I don't know how long it will take, but I'm optimistic.
1: Sure. And there's been a change, of course, with the, with the pioneering style of ministry. I, I don't know how well you thought that's gone in the last. Decade or so, um, the idea was that, of course, some of that theological style education wasn't going to work for the entrepreneurial types. I don't know whether you feel <laughs> it's yeah. got it's gone well or not. Uh,
0: yeah, so it's it's getting there. Um, I think the church has still got a way to go to really understand what pioneering is all about and to be able to put the right kind of framework of training in place. Um, but I, I've Worked with the people at CMS, which is almost just around the corner from where, I, where I'm based. And uh, their training courses are exciting. They're, they're pulling people in from all sorts of walks of life and sending them out to establish pioneer communities. And uh, again, it's a reason for optimism.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, you've um, just, just as again, the last few minutes of, of chatting, David, um, if you're a church leader, uh, you know, obviously, you're, you've you've done your theological education, but whatever it was. It's it's gone and done and gone. What what might the, what might you do with your congregation now that might put into place some of the things? Would it be to find some encouragers, like you suggested? That might be an action point. I,
0: yeah, I would I would say that would be the first thing to do. Would be to look at um, some kind of mentoring pro. Program, whether it is the personal discipleship plans that we're pioneering or, or something along those lines, because I think the one-to-one encouragement would be really key. Um, making sure that the aim really is to listen to God and what, what God is saying to that person um, at, at the present time. But I think the other thing I'd encourage church leaders to do would, to, would be to look at the kind of training that they can lay on and um, what, what I'm finding, um, I teach some of our curates adult education and one of the things they've got to do for their assignment is actually run a course and they, they've got to discern what the need is, what people are asking for. And about half of those courses are about some aspect of prayer or Bible. And, and I just think there is a rising hunger for people to know God better through prayer And and through the Bible. And so I'd really encourage church leaders to be looking for either something that they can work on themselves or something that they can buy in off the shelf that's going to help people to engage with the Bible and to grow in their life of prayer.
1: Fabulous, David. Well, you're listening to the Leadership Show. With me, Andy Peck, I was joined by the Reverend Dr. David Haywood. That's H E Y W O O D. And his book is. reimagining ministerial formation it's published by is it scm
0: it is scm
1: yes indeed so you can find it uh, where you get your christian books if you've got a book christian bookshop go there but i guess uh, for those for others there'll be other means the likes of eden and amazon i'm sure will uh, be able to find it for you uh, and I, I would urge you and encourage you uh, if you want to be stimulated in your Uh, your your education side of your church life and understanding of what the church should be and what leadership should be within it then uh, do go and get a copy so thank you David so much for succinctly sharing something of your vision for uh, the future of our church that was my conversation with David Haywood And even though he was focusing on an Anglican context, I'm sure you will see parallels in the kind of church that you attend and are part of. I hope you're convinced by his approach, but do get the book and uh, think about how you can better empower those you lead to be all that God is calling them to be. Your leadership isn't just measured by how you're doing, but also to the extent to which those you serve are also flourishing. So maybe the week ahead can be a week when you enable someone you know to be more the person that God's calling them to be. I'm Andy Peck, thanking you for your company and hoping to connect again soon.
0: The Leadership Show with Andy Peck. Email andy.peck at premier.org.uk.